0: My name is Sam Clements, and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a Picturehouse podcast proudly supported by Kia, powering independent cinema. On today's episode of the show, we are covering a handful of films released in your local Picturehouse cinema this July. July is a stacked month. There are a lot of films due to come out this month, and I guess what we're going to do in this podcast is just cover a few A a tiny selection of films available because this July, I think, is like peak summer. we got some big stuff coming out. So we're going to cover a couple of films actually due out at the beginning of the month, beginning of July. But we might do a top-up podcast for some of the big films coming out towards the end of the month. Because that is how stacked July is. Okay, that is a bit of admin out of the way, and really, my voice, I am here uh, to do some of the admin. I'm going to guide us through the podcast and introduce our many special guests. So first up, we are joined by Nick Dissemblin and Sophie Butcher, both of whom work at Empire Magazine, the world's largest film magazine, something I am a big fan of reading and have been reading for 20 or so years. It's been really great to talk to the current editor, Nick De Semlin, and their social media editor Sophie Butcher, uh, about uh, you know some of the films this month, looking forward to hearing their voices on the show. I should also say that Nick has a book coming out called The Last Action Heroes, which is a total joy. I was lucky enough to read an early edition of it, and if you like 80s and 90s muscle men Hollywood movies such as Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, uh, Bruce Willis, etc., then you should make a beeline for that book. It's a very entertaining read. So we are going to cover... The new Indiana Jones film, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which is in cinemas right now. We are going to talk about Pixar's Elemental, the new animation from Disney Pixar. Really stunning, beautiful film. And finally, a absolutely bananas film called Smoking Causes Coughing, but I will leave Nick and Sophie uh, to tell us all about those. We're also joined by two special guests, two of the filmmakers behind Elemental. We've got the director of the film, Peter Sohn, and the producer of the film, Denise Ream, on, talking to Ogo Ajoy, our interviewer. So, So yes, there's going to be a bunch of different voices on the show in addition to mine. But first of all, let's cut to Nicholas Hemlin and Sophie Butcher to talk about the brand new Indiana Jones film directed by James Mangold, Indiana Jones, and the Dial of Destiny.
1: And I miss waking up every morning, wondering what wonderful adventure the new day will bring to us. Those days have come and gone. Perhaps, perhaps
2: not hi nick hey sophie how are you
3: (laughs) i'm good thank you how are you
2: i'm not too bad i've just seen a new indiana jones film
3: i know what a momentous occasion there's there's a new indie film and i know that you're a huge indie fan why don't you tell us a little bit about it
2: I am a huge... Well, first I'll tell you that I was uh, a member of the Indiana Jones fan club when I was nine years old, which sadly (laughs) folded two months in, um, but I got a very nice t-shirt and poster out of it. But um, that's not important. What's important is there is finally another Indiana Jones film, a fourth, sorry, fifth, Mm. I guess, uh, you know, to do the old joke. Yeah, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Mm -hmm. which Indiana Jones chases around after a dial, actually two bits of a dial, which when put together... Something magical will happen, which I'm not going to give away. Um, And he's got Nazis on his back. What did you make of it?
3: I liked it a lot. I'm um, Weirdly, I've seen lots of bits of indie films and I'd never seen them all the way through. So they were kind of on in my house, but I'd never sort of sat down and watched them. So I only saw them in the few weeks leading up to it coming out. Some I liked, some I liked a bit less. Last Crusade was my favourite that I watched. Going into this, I wasn't too sure what to expect. I didn't have the whole nostalgia weighing on me that I know a lot of people have for this franchise. I thought it was good fun. It's probably not my favourite of the bunch, but I'd say it's maybe second or third. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it, especially, we're not going to go into anything, but I think the sort of last act really brought it round for me. I really just liked how it's meeting Harrison Ford and Indy at this point, this really late point in life, but it it weaves that into the story really brilliantly and it makes it a central part of it. And I found that really satisfying personally. But how how did you feel, member of the inaugural indie fan club one of the do, two do you members feel... yeah
4: <laughs> yeah
2: I'm probably the hardest person to please because I, I, you know I, I Raiders of the Lost Ark is my favorite film I once edited the gopher from Caddyshack into the opening of Raiders of the Lost Ark which you can head to YouTube and have a look at if you want to <laughs> So yeah. I don't know. I'm a bit obsessed with indie. Yeah, for me, this this wasn't up there with the original trilogy, but I did have fun with it. I definitely think it's an improvement on Crystal Skull, which got very goofy with the flying monkeys and the Shia LaBeoufs doing impressions of Marlon Brando's. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a cut above that. I, uh, for me, the strength was really Harrison Ford' his performance. I really thought he, you know, this is his favorite of his characters that he's played. He's been quite vocal about that, and he gives it his all. And given that he was almost eighty when he played this, did this performance, it's it's really really impressive.
3: It boggles the mind, doesn't it? And you can see he's doing a lot of stuff still. I mean, I feel like all the way through the films, you can see that it's Harrison Ford doing a lot of the stunts. And weirdly, even again here, even at the age of eighty, you can see it's him. It's him riding the horse, or it it feels like it's him anyway. If it's not, they're doing a really good job of of covering that up. But he really still sinks his teeth into it, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, and he's actually playing that the Indiana Jones is like 10 years younger than Harrison Ford's real age in this film. If you work out the chronology, and believe right. me, Sophie, I have. You have. <laughs> I've been crunching those numbers. on the
3: walls. Oh, well, yeah,
2: yeah, just uh, crunching my calculator. So Indy <laughs> is about 70 in this. Okay. Whereas Harrison Ford was almost 80. So, mm. But they do make him look extremely creaky in the opening. The first shot, I think everyone will know that the prologue It's set in 1944, and it's got a kind of original trilogy, age indie through the magic of de-aging. And then when it cuts to New York in 1969, which is where the rest of the movie is set, you get a glimpse of him getting out of bed and frankly looking like I do getting out of bed on a Monday morning. But I thought they did a really lovely job of evoking what life is like for him in the, the so-called modern age. And there's a really great shot of him on the the metro in New York on Moon Day, which is where the movie opens in the in the present day, where everyone is you know celebrating the astronauts, and he just does this great curmudgeonly grumpy Harrison Ford look over at some little kids <laughs> yeah. mean, it's really, really really funny for me the action of the movie the action of Indiana Jones is like the best action in any movie ever as far as I'm concerned for me it didn't quite live up to the Spielberg action It didn't have quite as much in the way of fun gags and action beats but um there are compensations I really loved Phoebe Waller-Bridge I thought she was a really worthy companion to Indy um, what did you think of her
3: I liked Phoebe Waller-Bridge a lot in this. I feel like she's kind of playing who you expect her to be playing. You know, she she has a persona and she plays that persona very well, but it's she's a really great foil to Indy because he's, you know, he's a bit older. He's not getting us stuck in quite as much as he was. It feels like she kind of picks that mantle up a bit and she's great at the action stuff and she's funny as ever i really like the dynamic between them and i think as that played out and especially towards the end i think they were just a really perfect sort of pairing to carry the film really
2: i do think they they dropped the ball or rolling boulder slightly by not having ki back a short round i yeah. think that especially coming off the back of everything everywhere all at once there's there's so much love for him and he's brilliant still and i think that could have been they could have worked out a way to bring him back in this one but overall yeah decent if not incredible Return and goodbye to Indy.
3: Yeah, a really lovely goodbye for sure.
2: Let's go somewhere new. See worlds we've never seen before. So that we can feel inspired. Whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars, inspiration comes when we feel something new. That's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia. Proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia. Movement that inspires.
0: Well, there we go. Thank you so much, Nick and Sophie, for your thoughts on Indiana Jones. And very interesting to hear the contrasting opinions. Sophie hadn't seen an Indiana Jones film before uh, the sort of pre-release, I suppose, of Dial of Destiny. uh, Whereas Nick, it sounds like, is a uh, stalwart fan, member of the Indiana Jones fan club. I think I'm probably somewhere in between uh both of them on on this film. I really like this film. I think it's it's almost as as good and maybe actually in future years Maybe I will like it as much as the original trilogy, but it's made with lots of modern filmmaking techniques. But I had a really good time watching this film. I've seen it once. I'm desperate to go back and, and see it again. And if you check back in the feed, I think the episode before this in your podcast feed, I was lucky enough to talk to the director of this film, James Mangold, a filmmaker I'm such a huge fan of, Ford versus Ferrari a few years ago. Was a wonderful film, and, and I think he's brought that same magic to Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny. So, uh, so yeah, a sideways plug <laughs> after you've listened to this. Uh, listen to my chat with James Mangold. It was a fun, it was a real fun time. Anyway, moving on. Let's talk about the brand new film from Pixar. Elemental. This film uh, premiered a uh, can a couple of months ago now, and, and is finally coming to UK cinemas. A really gorgeous drink of a film to watch on the big screen. Uh, let's hear what Nick and Sophie thought of the movie, and then straight afterwards, um, my colleague Ogo Ajoy was lucky enough to go and speak to a couple of the filmmakers, Peter Sohn, the director, and Denise Reem, the producer, uh, all about the film. And yes, the interview has some big weighed energy. Don't worry that will make sense shortly.
2: Meet the residents of Element City. Air usually has their head in the clouds
0: Oh my new jacket
1: Earth can be a little seedy. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing weird going on here. Uh, just a little pruning. Water is always getting into something. <laughs> And fire, as ordered, we run a little hot.
2: So the next film uh, we're going to chat about, Sophie, is Pixar Disney's Elemental, which is the first one from the studio since Luca, I believe.
3: Yes, Elemental. This is a really lovely one. So it's set in a place called Element City, where all the residents are made up of different elements. There's fire, air, earth, and water. And it follows Ember, who's a fire person a, a young girl who works in her family store and her dad is really keen for her to take over but something's sort of holding her back I should say Ember is voiced by Leah Lewis and she encounters Wade a water guy voiced by Mamadou Athie who you might know from Jurassic World Dominion and Archive 81 and basically the store their family shop comes under threat of closure and they go on this sort of journey together Ember and Wade to try and figure out how to stop that happening You know, it's set in a place where they're told these residents of this element city, the sort of mantras that elements don't mix and these two people these fire and water people as they get closer they sort of realise that maybe that's maybe that's not true yeah what did you think of this one Nick?
2: Yeah I mean it feels at this point slightly like we're getting Pixar mad libs like (laughs) we're one step away from Chalk chalk and Cheese he's Chalk (laughs) she's Cheese but it was fun I think they have a lot of fun and eke out a lot of comedy and invention out of this premise and so you've got this Lots of good puns (laughs) There were so many puns I was just trying to remember what the film is that they show at the cinema in, in Elemental City do you remember?
3: I know there's a there's a sport called airball and the team are called the windbreakers all the character names are really good playing on their elements as well aren't they and you kind of but they they are like sort of normal names and you think (laughs) there's a lot of names that work for this weirdly (laughs) yeah they obviously
2: had a had a very fruitful brainstorming session at pixar one day or an away day the sports uh, arena sequence you mentioned there's a wave a mexican wave that is an actual wave Mm -hmm. there's loads of little things like that and also the way in which the elements interact and just visually when you see a fire person and a water person kind of walk past each other you'll see the water person starting to simmer and boil
3: yeah and
2: there's there's tons of of Really uh, cool uh, visual stuff going on all over the frame. Yeah, the character stuff, uh, the, the, it's quite an ambitious film. I think it's trying to take on some pretty big themes.
3: It really is, yeah. I mean, you've, there's sort of a prologue at the beginning where you meet Ember's parents, back, you know, sort of back before they had her, and they come to Element City and they sort of get acclimatised and they're a bit sort of isolated and the fire people build their communities kind of outside of the main city. And, yeah, it's you know, it's not a super subtle metaphor, but it's like, it's, you can see that it's about sort of immigrants and first generation children of immigrants and like class divide and accessibility and all these huge themes, as you say, that it's getting in there. And I, it, I think for the most part, it communicates them quite well when you think that this is going to be primarily for a young audience. I think that's to be applauded for sure.
2: Yeah, it's got ambition. I believe Except for the first ten minutes of Up, is this the first Pixar rom com? Is this the first proper rom com we've had?
3: I think so. I think it's the first Pixar like love story. Truly, you know, it's not a big adventure where they set out on a quest, you know, somewhere they've never been before. And Pixar are doing that a lot lately. I think with Turning Red, for example, they kind of did their first sort of coming of age film, and they're sort of tweaking the formula a little bit and sort of diving into different genres. And so I quite liked that as it ends, you realize it's, it's kind of like their first romance. And I think that part of it works really well. As well, like the the literal chemistry between between the two characters um, was really nice. Literal I
2: chemistry, I see yeah. what you did there. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's refreshing this summer where every blockbuster seems to be about people collecting two parts of something to put together to do something. Um, just to have a have a, a simpler story, and it is quite a simple film. I think I did want a little bit more on the world building. I think it's so interesting the idea of having a city with all of these different types of characters together and why they would want to live in the same. City, I'm still not sure I would have liked a little bit more of that I
3: know what you mean
2: but it was um it really worked I think it was a sweet film and I really liked the visuals the fire people uh, um, especially the way that they do the flames is really beautiful and almost uh, Ghibli studio Ghibli-esque I think in a way
3: Yeah it's quite interesting they sort of look very different to the other characters I would say like it's a bit more of a simpler design but I agree I think in some ways it kind of over explained stuff but then under explained things and that made it feel a little bit like there was lots of plot strands that maybe you didn't need and you wanted other ones so I think that's kind of like its weakest point but overall it definitely has that Pixar effect of really sort of I was welling up by the end I'm not gonna lie. So Pixar know how to do that, and they do it again very well in Elemental, I thought.
2: I think it would definitely lend itself to a sequel. I mean, there's a lot to...
3: Yeah, that's a good point.
2: Maybe a windy sequel.
3: Yeah, focus on some different elements.
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
5: It's my pleasure to meet you. I watched a movie last week and you made me cry. I absolutely Uh, love this movie and I can't wait to get into it. But I want to know, firstly, I mean, Elemental, this Disney Pixar movie, what was the why behind it?
4: The why was just trying to thank our parents. You know, I had this experience seven years ago where I got to thank them for all the crap that I put them through and my brother and I. And uh, they made a lot of sacrifices from what they left from their country to come here, and trying to have empathy to what that was. When I was a kid, I pushed it all away, but now as an adult and a parent, it all became very emotional for me, and so that was sort of the heart of this whole Mm -hmm.
5: thing. Denise, what about you? What was the why behind coming onto this project?
1: I admire Peter. He's, He's so imaginative and creative, and we had worked on The Good Dinosaur, And so when he pitched the idea, I just, I I loved it. I loved the challenge of creating these characters. I loved the concept of thanking my parents. I had a father very similar to Pete's that was just incredibly hardworking and, and I kind of gained even greater appreciation through working on the film. And I really feel passionate about the sort of immigration experience in history in the US. Mm. And so combined with all those elements combined, so to speak, uh, made it a really exciting project mm. for me.
5: Elements combined. Speaking of, I really want to talk about the immigrant experience because as a child of immigrant parents watching this movie, I related so much to it because oh, no. We think or we understand that they almost have like a template as to how they want, you know, their children's lives to be. They've come all the way. They've left. They've sacrificed. Ah, And then, you know, they kind of have this like cookie cutter idea of what their child's life should be. But then Mm -hmm. the child is unhappy. And that's something I I personally have gone through. So seeing Amber create this I guess life for herself and meeting somebody like Wade who's from a different you know life and he possibly couldn't understand what she's going through I very very much understood that so what message do you want you know young kids or, or people to take away from this movie because for me it made me a wish I had a movie like this when I was younger so no. I could think oh, like what is it do I want and yeah. B it made me think yeah, like what is it? Do I want in this life <laughs> yeah. as a twenty-five-year-old woman? Like yeah. I have to create my life for myself and not the parent, not the life my parents want. Yeah,
4: it, it, that that hard game of trying to know who you are. You know, your identity was this whole game, and part of the identity can be th- the arts, like it was for me. But even understanding my culture and heritage, or it's all wrapped into it. And so this film about these opposite worlds coming together so much of it is just about an empathy toward yourself to know like hey you know there are pieces of you that you just don't know yet and uh, it's it's worth you know being open enough to, to to look for it you know
5: I'm just so intrigued how you've managed to like personify like you said opposite worlds like some a child of immigrants and yet somebody like from Wade's background and you've like personified that in fire and water is yeah, complete yeah. opposite. Like, I'm, my mind is just blown away. Yeah. Oh um, in creating the elemental universe, um, were there any challenges? Like, was there anything that you had an idea of in terms of like, the science behind it? Because obviously, fire can't come near to water, yeah. it evaporate. Is there anything that was a challenge that, that didn't end up making um the final, I guess, picture?
4: I don't know. I mean, there was so much that didn't make the final picture, but what you just said was the challenge. What you literally just said about, like, how to personify and connect to these effects was the whole game you know and uh, it 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 means so much to hear that you connected to these characters because they're characters now the way you're talking about they're not just fire and water anymore and that that was really difficult and uh, you know you've lifted me up I really appreciate that but at the same time like yeah the the challenges I mean well, our our, our boss
1: the uh, the president of Pixar was very concerned that it would be too that fire it couldn't be very realistic and it would be fatiguing to watch. So, so the great challenge was trying to figure these elements, they are actual simulations, they're not uh, humans on fire. So we had to figure out a way to caricature the animation, uh, the fire rather, the simulation. Uh, but also, you want it to still feel like fire. You know, you didn't want it to just feel like a 2D drawing. So that was, that's what we spent a great deal of time on, mm. was um, finding that, the, the look of those characters. Mm. And we started with Ember. Mm-hmm. And since it was her, we're always going to be sort of, she was our lead character. And uh, it took a lot of smart people and uh, Peter working with a lot of amazing people for, for many, 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 many months.
5: No, the, from start to finish, it's so smart. I'm still blown away. When this trailer first dropped, it did remind me of Inside Out. And mm-hmm. I want to know how did you guys take inspiration from that movie if you did?
4: Yeah, they were anthropomorphic things, you know. Like I always make fun of, like Inside Out had it easy because no one knows what an emotion looks like, but everyone (laughs) knows what fire and water looks like. And so trying to make those characters work, we were in the. We all know what it looks like, and so once it slipped, you're like, "Nope, that's wrong. That's not water. That is jello." You know, and so you immediately knew where the emotions were such a different thing. But I felt like Soul. The soul characters had a, a greater impact in terms of understanding their transparency and the softness of them was really interesting. Um, but um, uh, yeah, and and then our film does deal with emotions in terms of being open and vulnerable, as that does, and so. But you know, we all work on these things, and so they all mm. start to influence. You know, they're all mm. DNA to everything. Yeah, else.
1: I mean, right when again, as soon as Peter pitched the idea, um, I went and started talking to our, our research and de- development teams and our t- tools team. Teams And we actually did talk to the Inside Out crew to see what it took to develop those characters to, to see if there was anything we could learn from it. So again, we're all, you're always sort of speaking to the former productions to just learn, you know, what it took to d- develop the characters. But as Pete said, Soul was a, probably a greater starting point in terms of technology. Mm. But again, our movie had way bigger challenges than mm. that.
5: I love how you said that they're not just it's not just fire and water they're characters like I do believe that these characters live on because even to this day I can't look at a body of water the same without thinking that's Wade Wade is real like he genuinely is real and um, he blew me away in this movie and I I think the internet is going to fall in love with Wade so I want to ask you what was the inspiration behind him as a character I just met Mamadou earlier like he's phenomenal so yeah yeah, talk to me about Wade I think the internet is going to
4: Yeah. Yeah, no, he he started off as a drip. That was his head shape. Was this little drip, and uh, um, then we added the hairs and everything. I mean, the curls. But um, it was also the funniness of shape shifting and then crying. That was without any personality. That was just drawings, right? And then once we got it with the writers, this other version of sh- of, of you know Wade started the form. We had so many versions of this movie, just to let you know.
5: Wow, how many? Hundreds. There were, yeah, well, there
4: had to be at least like six really different versions for sure. And then out of there, there was like multiple versions on top of that that were shades. But Wade took different forms uh, in there in terms of different jobs, but his emotionality was always the same. His whole, what we, uh, early on, we discovered like, oh, what's a character that has a high EQ, like a high emotional quotient that could just connect. And because he was transparent, he couldn't hide his emotions. I like that idea that he's just like, so he's on his sleeves and if that would be his tool, you know, uh, that then that could start forming something for Ember. And uh, uh, and then the, the last piece that really helped us was that he's a mirror character and all of this stuff using what we know about water. And so there's a reflection of it. And so Ember, Wade's well, not teaching Ember anything. We never wanted that but Wade would be able to show other pieces of Ember, like a mirror that she didn't see before. And so those two pieces really formed who Wade was. But then once you met Mamadou, he was so go with the flow and really cool in terms of like how, you know, uh, he performed that it started shifting and then it became a little bit more Mamadou in terms of the way he cried and the way he, and he just lifted it up in in a special way.
5: No, meeting Wade has set the bar for any guy I'm going to date. I'm yeah. um, being serious. Like I've said, Me and my friend after the cinema, we were, we were like, if the guy is not Wade, if he doesn't have big Wade energy, I don't want him because I'd need a Wade in my life. I loved him and I know the internet will love him. Um, let's talk about Leah. What was it yeah. about her that made you think, that's Ember?
4: I saw her in a movie where she was able to emote this appealing fierceness that I was just like, oh, she's a badass. And then at the same time, she flipped to this tenderness in terms of what her identity was and her culture. And then like, uh, I found a YouTube of her singing and she had this really smoky voice that sort of tapped into the fire. I was like, that's enough ingredients to let's talk to her. And then once we started doing auditions, she had a rawness that just felt like unpredictable that like fire, like the flame. And it was just amazing. Mm.
1: What about you, Denise? She's special. I mean, they, um, I mean, Peter, I mean, he, we have Peter to thank for, for kind of finding these two amazing performers. There was a energy in it. I fell in love with them. I can't imagine anyone else playing these characters, honestly. I keep joking that it's hard when you finish a production because you, you have to say goodbye, and I don't, I don't want them to go because we've, you know, they worked with us for o- almost two years, which is a very long time for performers to work on a Pixar production. They're the best. Yeah, they are.
5: Well, Elemental 2. Hopefully we can explore the life of Fern because I need to see I need to see what he gets up to and like, if he ever smiles. <laughs> okay. Um, but I'm from Picturehouse Cinema. So it's a cinema chain here in the UK. Oh, right on. And you, do you guys, have you heard of it? Do you know it? I've heard of it. Oh, yeah. Amazing. I've never been
4: to one though. Yeah.
5: Well, when you come back to the UK, well, come done. come to a c- Picturehouse uh, Cinema. So obviously we're deep into cinema. So I want to ask you guys, how would you describe people's cinema habits that you know or within the industry? And why should people see this movie on the big screen
1: it was designed and it was it's it's intended for the big screen you'll you'll there's a lot of layers and texture and richness that i think uh is worth watching on the big screen and we're just hoping that i hope people go with their friends and family uh in the theater get some popcorn and just sit back and enjoy the show and connect i mean being in the theater together is all about connection it looks beautiful
4: yeah, there's a lot of nerdy details in there <laughs> that are just really fun that yeah. you just can't see on a small yeah. screen, like the big screen. Like in the background, we, the, the animators set up other stories. There's, if you ever watch it again, you'll see a lot of crowds. And in this crowd, there's a couple that's happening where they meet for the first time in a, in a moment earlier. And then a couple of shots later in the background, you'll see those two characters again, and they're sort of going on a date and then another scene there one proposes to the other like there's a literal storyline that's yeah. going through that. and the, and this world is so crazy with all these different elements that there's just so much going on to see and uh, but you know more than anything i just hope people have a freaking great time at the yeah. movies you know they yeah, will
5: um, like yeah. and i think yeah you should see it on the big screen to see element city like yeah. you can't watch yes. it on your phone don't watch it on your yeah. laptop yeah. watch it in the cinema yes. yeah yeah yes. one of my favorite scenes was when our uh, way took ember to see a precious flower that she's always yes. wanted to see yeah. that for me i wish uh. i could relive the moment i experienced that yeah. so what would you say is a scene that you're both like most proudest of well that
1: one's yeah, that, we one. we love that one mm. that was that's what was in the reels for i, I mean we That scene was there forever. And uh, it's one of my favorite scenes. I love the music. The music. is spectacular. And I get very emotional, frankly, every time I watch it. And then I do love, I love when they go out, we call it connection montage, when they go on their date around the city. I love the song. I love seeing their interaction. That one's a favorite. And then there's a hot air balloon scene that's I think very beautiful, and again the music's beautiful, and that was you really get to see Element City in I think a pretty spectacular way. Mm-hmm. What about you?
4: There's so much to, I love that moment. I, I you know I always go to this goofy stuff too. That's like you know there was so many hard effects that w- that were jokes. Like Wade comes in like in this one moment in seven flower vases, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he pours himself back together, and it's like. It's a fast joke, but like, th- I love that we put a lot of stuff like that in the movie where we were like, how is that even possible? That
1: <laughs> yeah. You like, couldn't
4: do that with a human, and uh, I-, I love that stuff.
5: No, I loved it. Guys, I've been told to rap, but I wish I could talk to you for hours because oh, I yeah, love this you. movie. That's so awesome. thank, thank, you you thank you so much.
3: Yeah, you. big yeah. weight energy. You got yeah, me on that. Big weight energy. Yeah, yeah. I, I so need funny. a weight in my life. Thank yeah. you
5: so much.
0: Oh, it's so nice to hear Peter Sohn and Denise Reem there talking to Ogo Ajoy. And I mean, Ogo has been doing a few interviews for us lately. Such a great interviewer. Love hearing her work. Peter Sohn and Denise Ream were on the podcast a few years ago for their previous collaboration at Pixar, The Good Dinosaur. So nice to welcome them back to the Picturehouse pod and, and lovely that they've heard of Picturehouse Cinemas. Peter, you're very welcome. Anytime. If you'd like a ticket, send me a message on Twitter. I'll be happy to respond. Let's go back to Sophie and Nick now for our final film, our final review of the podcast. This film is wild. It is <laughs> directed by Quentin Dupur. It is uh, called Smoking Causes Coughing. And I mean, maybe you haven't seen the posters, but I would recommend looking at the posters online. Did some very cool sort of comic book style artwork for this film. And uh, and also watched the trailer because I think watching the trailer and then hearing uh, Sophie and Nick's review will really help. It's a very... Out There movie is very funny. If you like things like The Mighty Boosh, League of Gentlemen, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, also if you've seen Quentin's previous films Deer Skin and Rubber, then um, then yeah, I think you'll like this one too. It's a lovely 70 minute runtime and I was really excited to hear what Nick and Sophie made of this movie. Smoking Courses Coughing is in cinemas from the 7th of July and is best enjoyed with an audience. It is a funny movie and can recommend seeing it with a crowd. <laughs>
3: Okay, and the last film we're going to talk about today is Smoking Causes Coughing, explain this to us nick good luck <laughs>
2: so i made lots of notes uh, yeah. during the viewing of this i've written down such phrases as chunks of gore suicidal robot having a bath fully clothed and that is just <laughs> the tip of the iceberg of the weirdness very much so so this is the latest film from quentin dpo who um has previously brought us films about uh, killer tires and a haunted jacket and this one It's it's probably a bit harder to explain in a single line, but it's essentially about a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers style (laughs) uh, team of monster vanquishers called Tobacco Force. But really, it's not about them at all because they're on some kind of superhero corporate retreat and they decide to tell each other scary stories. And so a lot of the film is (laughs) the, the mad stories that they are telling each other around a campfire and beyond and uh this movie is gonzo it's got a puppet rat who uh drools green gunk which was quite upsetting it's got like weird sort of turtle kind of reptile monsters like you might see in the beastie boys intergalactic video (laughs) it's a whole lot of stuff going on i gotta say i really enjoyed it what did you what did you make of it
3: yeah i didn't know what to expect but i I didn't expect that. It's a off-kilter torn from the start, and you kind of have to get used to it. It's torn, it's vibe. Once you settle in, though, it's kind of you, you're kind of really hooked in a strange way. And I have to say, I liked a lot the vignettes that it took you on, the scary stories, as you say, that they were telling each other. For me, those were some of the strongest bits of it, especially the first one, which is about a helmet, and I won't say any more than that but it gets real sinister and it was just also lots of great actors popping up in this in that first vignette there's um adele xr shoppelos from the five devils earlier this year and passages coming out soon who i really love and i think this film it kind of delights in freaking you out or uh, making you feel just like a little bit gross like you say the the rat chief guy who has this like green drill that's coming out at all times it just makes you feel like a bit like Ooh. it's so compelling at the same time and there's lots of funny bits as well um lots of absurdity lots of surrealism and everyone plays it really straight right they really commit to these kind of mad characters and this mad storyline which I think you need and that really helps ground you
2: yeah, it's played completely deadpan and completely yeah. earnestly. And I I just found it incredibly charming because there is so much insanity going on. <laughs> but it all just somehow hangs together. It should not hang together in any way. Um, why is there a rat puppet that looks like it's escaped from Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles? Yeah. What is going on with that fridge? Like, I won't ruin it, but there no. is an amazing running joke involving a fridge. Yeah. Um,
3: why do they sleep with their helmets on? <laughs> um... <laughs>
2: I I just don't understand how it got made, but I'm so happy that it did somehow and that it's coming out in the middle of summer up against all these giant Hollywood blockbusters because it is such such a refreshing little blast of madness in the middle of it all.
3: Yeah, a new kind of Avengers. There's also a fun villain near the end called like Lizardan. He was like this guy with like reptilian skin, which I who I think is an alien on a different planet or something. That's not quite made clear, but even he has his own like weird plot strands near the end, and you're like, what's going on here? And a fun ending as well. And it's very short, which I like in an age with so many long films. This one is under an hour and a half for sure.
2: Oh, well under. Well
3: yeah, under. and it's quite a nice, just like little mad romp uh which i really liked about it
2: and to bring it back around to indiana jones this film features the grossest looking soup oh. since it's the soup that they have in uh, yeah. Doom, which is the yeah the eyeball soup yum yum mm, delicious
0: Thank you, Nick and Sophie, for that. I'm really glad you enjoyed uh, Smoking Courses Coughing. It is a film which is probably impossible to summarise the plot of, but um, I think you can describe your emotions whilst watching it. And I'm glad that you guys dug uh, the film. Say it's one of the rare short films in cinemas this summer, a summer of films which are about two and a half hours at least, If you've never listened to the podcast before, what we like to do towards the end of the show is ask our guest critics, a couple of recommendations recommendations on what is still in cinemas that maybe you haven't seen that that you should go and see whilst you can uh, before it leaves the silver screen and uh, what's coming up later in the year that they're looking forward to that's my favourite bit of the podcast actually I always love to hear the reasons as to why uh, someone might single out a particular and Nick and Sophie will tell us how to stay in touch with them also where to find their other work Um, but I do also recommend just picking up a copy of Empire Magazine because there's lots of good stuff in there
3: okay so my choice for what I'd recommend that's still in cinemas is a film called Reality starring Sidney Sweeney who you might know from The White Lotus and Euphoria it's directed by Tina Satter and it's based on the real-life story of someone called Reality Winner, yes that is her actual name, who was a real-life whistleblower and it's a fascinating film in that all of the dialogue and all of the events are taken from the real-life recording of An encounter between between reality and these FBI agents that was used in the case against her. So it's kind of a really interesting cinematic exercise. It's very small scale. It's all set in one house over like a couple of hours, but it's so enthralling. And Sydney Sweeney gives her very, very best performance. She's someone I've been a fan of for a long time. And this is really kind of a different sort of role for her and a really, really brilliant watch. If you haven't seen it yet, I'd highly recommend you try and catch
2: it. My pick for um, films still out in cinemas is one you've probably already seen given it's made over $600 million worldwide already, but it's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is the follow-up to Into the Spider-Verse we got a few years back. Somehow they have managed to outdo themselves, Uh, the first one was incredible. This one is something else. It's so wild, so endlessly creative. Uh, My brain is still recovering from the scene where they go to like some kind of spider HQ and there is every variant of Spider-Man you can imagine. You're going to have to watch this film about 50 times to kind of spot them all there is so much going on including a spider t-rex um i've forgotten his actual name but yeah i mean even the main characters are wild daniel kalua plays a spider-man variant um from camden called hobie spider punk who is just brilliant like the way he's animated the way he talks he is brilliant. Jason Schwartzman plays The Spot, who is the villain who has kind of got multiversal portals on his body and is causing all kinds of mischief. And then just the uh, the relationship between Miles Morales and Gwen Stacy is just beautiful. Like it's such a such a beautiful romance beyond all the the action and wild visuals. I really loved the relationship between the two of them and, and I thought Gwen Stacy was brilliant. So if you haven't seen it, go see it. If you have seen it, go see it again and keep an eye out for the dinosaur.
3: And the film that I'm most looking forward to that's coming out soon is something that I was lucky enough to see, which is Theatre Camp. And it's directed by Molly Gordon, who you might recognise from Smart and Shiva Baby and Nick Lieberman. And it's basically about this sort of rundown theatre camp in upstate New York which is sort of struggling with money and it tracks them over one summer as they put on their big production and you meet um, the kids that go there and the staff that run it, these very eccentric, theatre-loving staff. And it's filmed in a mockumentary style, which is so funny, I can't explain to you. It's absolutely hilarious. It, the the gags are non-stop, but the performances are brilliant. It stars Molly Gordon as well and Ben Platt as these brilliant teachers that are so invested in... The art and the kids, and it becomes a really lovely tale about what theatre can be for kids that feel like outsiders, as well as being super super funny. So it's out in the UK in August, and I'd highly recommend it. Theatre camp
2: film I'm excited for is called Past Lives. It is uh, slightly smaller than the movies we've been talking about. It's a film that's partly set in South Korea and partly set in New York. And it's just the story of of three people. There's this South Korean lady called Nora who emigrates to New York when she's quite young. And her old, formerly inseparable best friend from school reconnects with her while she's over there. And, you know, they click and they're getting on really well. They really want to meet up again. And it turns out that she's married to someone in New York already. And so it's just this story about these three people what's going to happen when Sun comes back into Nora's life and she feels kind of a pull towards him and what's going to happen. And it just looks absolutely beautiful. Love the trailer, just has such a mood and everything I've heard and read about this makes me really excited for it
3: so you can find me on twitter at sophie f butcher and you can find my writing in empire magazine and at empireonline.com and do follow empire's social channels i'm social media editor so you'll see stuff from me there we're on twitter and instagram at empire magazine
2: sophie does such an amazing job of handling all of us then and it tries to explain to me what reels and things are and i just (laughs) can never quite get it but yeah she's very very good at that you can find me on twitter i'm not going to boost my instagram account because it's terrible but my (laughs) (laughs) it's mostly pictures of trees and my cat but on twitter i'm at nick disemlian and you can find me writing a little letter at the opening of each issue of empire and i also have a book out in, not quite yet, but it's out August 24th here in the UK, and it's about the action titans of the 80s and 90s. So Stallone, uh, Schwarzenegger, Seagal, Boo, uh, Van Damme, and all those guys. And it's full of very silly stories about mm-hmm. things that they got up to. Yeah, and the book is called uh, The Last Action Heroes. You can pre-order it now wherever pre-ordering is done. And there's also an audiobook version, which I'm excited about. It's read by Bronson Pincher a.k.a. Surge from Beverly Hills Cop, which I'm very, very excited that he did that.
0: Well, there we go. That brings us to the end of another monthly edition of the Picture House podcast, The Love of Cinema. Thank you so much for our guest presenters, Nick Disemlian and Sophie Butcher, editor... Of empire magazine social media editor for empire and empire online as mentioned also occasionally you can hear them on the empire podcast one of my favorite podcasts to listen to hosted by other previous hosts chris hewitt helen o'hara uh, james dyer etc etc do check out the empire podcast it's a nice companion pod to the love of cinema if you don't already listen and as nick mentioned and, and i mentioned at the top nick's new book is coming out very soon called The Last Action Heroes, and if you haven't read Nick's previous book, there's a little bit of time before his new one comes out. It's called Wild and Crazy Guys, and it's about the 80s comedy stars who graduated from television shows like SNL and then became movie stars such as Bill Murray, Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, and and, and so many others. It's a fantastic read. I had such a good time uh, with that book. So if you're a film fan, I think you'll like Nick's other writing uh, outside of Empire. And yeah, we're really grateful to have you both on the pod. You're welcome back any also, a big thank you to our interviewer Ogava Joy and filmmakers Peter Sohn and Denise Reem for talking to us about Elemental. I love hearing the team at Pixar talk about their work. they're so passionate, and those animations take a long time. You know they, those filmmakers are with these movies for quite a long period of their lives, so you get some really you know heartfelt insight into their work. Now this July is uh, is very different to last summer where there weren't many films out at all there are so many films coming out uh, this July including things that we did not talk about such as Mission Impossible: colon, Dead Reckoning Dash, Part 1 and Oppenheimer the new film from Christopher Nolan and of course the big one Barbie directed by Greta Gerwig we're excited for all three of those films but they weren't all able to be seen ahead of recording Uh, for this, this current edition of the pod. So what we were thinking was maybe at the end of July, we will sit back down in front of the microphone uh, with a couple of different hosts. And uh, and yeah, talk about the big boys. <laughs> talk about the big blockbusters uh, that are coming to our cinema. So that will be towards the end of the month. And in the meantime, do subscribe to this podcast feed because any interviews we get, any access to filmmakers, any chats we're able to have whilst we have visiting guests to our cinemas, we will upload and pop on the feed as a bonus episode. Uh, recently, as mentioned, we've got James Mangold, the director of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Do check that one out. I think that just about brings us to the end of this monthly edition. So thank you so much for making it to the end, for sitting through my admin. Really appreciate that. I love doing this podcast, and it's great to know people listen all the way to the end. You guys are the best. And we couldn't make this show without Kobe Omanaka from Stripped Media. Big thank you to Kobe for producing, for wrangling, for doing all of the bits of work behind the scenes that a producer does. And a massive thank you to our editor, Maddie Searle, who is sadly leaving the show because Maddie's got a fantastic new job. And a huge congratulations to Maddie, but a big thank you for all of the work over the years editing the Love of Cinema, Maddie. Hugely, hugely appreciated. So thank you, Maddie. Best of luck in the future. And, uh, and yes, we will be back in a few weeks. Please subscribe to the feed. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your pods. And we will see you soon. Have a great time at the cinema. Enjoy the movies.